Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. My name, Joel Brzezinski. It's a really common name. And Mike <laughs> Kapler over there, <laughs> the cap. Uh, they call me the Breeze Man because, yeah, my name really isn't all that common. Uh, it's an old German name. Um, and Kapler, what's Kapler? Is that German? Also German. Also German. Yeah. So two German guys here, well, at least if yeah. <laughs> some German here. Probably, ex- probably explains my addiction to Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about right. <laughs> no, I did Sergeant watch Sergeant Schultz of yes, podcast. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did like that show when I was younger. Of course, when I was watching it, it was probably it was all in syndication years after the actual series had run. Uh, you probably watched it um, live. You know, you're it, that old. it was on when I was uh, in grade school, and and you know, there, like like we've talked before, there were only a few channels to watch, right? So I was familiar with it, but I didn't really understand it until later. Oh yeah, the jokes <laughs> and what they were really going on, what was really going on. Yeah, I mean, you you picked up on some things, and yes, yeah, Sergeant Schultz was funny and all that, but uh, you know, it was kind of hard to. I can even remember kids talking about it at school. Like they, they really had underground things like that. It just wasn't funny, you know. Right, right. And uh, but yeah, so it was kind of later in life when I, I really got latched onto it. But uh, hey, Joel, uh, last week we we've been talking about is the law abolished? We started out in Matthew five with something Jesus said. Last week we talked about Ephesians chapter two, how uh, the the scripture there says that Jesus tore down abolished the wall of commandments. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, um, but that's essentially what it was. It was a wall, a barrier, a wall of commandments that was torn down so that Gentiles could come to Christ. Um, it, so moving, getting the law out of the way is what allowed people to come to faith. And just real, real quick, before you, I know you have some stuff, I, but I just want to say, uh, if, a, if a person does believe that the law is still around, how do you get past that? What it, what it says there in Ephesians two, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments. Paul point blank says that the law has been abolished in his flesh, and in Colossians two, it says that it was nailed to the cross. We'll we'll get to that. But how do you square that? I mean, yes, like like I, I've said a couple times, there are verses that might seem to make another another case. And, and Cap, you actually briefly talked about Paul's words to Timothy last week about the lawful use of the law, and we talked about how the law. The, the way that the law is used is to show the difference basically between the two covenants and why we needed a new covenant it has really nothing to do with leading people to Christ now in the new covenant. But really, with all that said, where it says the law has been nailed to the cross and abolished in his flesh, I mean, that's where we're coming from. We see these, and then so now we're trying to look at all these other scriptures that talk about the law and how it's been done away, and that's that's where we're coming from. So anyway, I'll let you continue on to what you were saying, but I just wanted to bring that out. 
Yeah, back, back at that time that these letters were being written by Paul, for example, you got into Galatians quite a bit last week. Um, you know, he, he was writing to people, explaining to them at that time, because, you know, this wasn't that long after the cross, you know, when, when Paul was writing some of this stuff. Uh, and, and people were still trying to transition mentally, spiritually, and otherwise from a, a law of works to being freed from that and, and moving into faith and grace. And so that when he was writing some of these things, you got to understand he was explaining to people, like like you said in Galatians last week, that the law was given as a tutor, uh, a schoolmaster uh, for the Jewish people primarily, so that they could realize their inability to keep it, essentially. Uh, it was given to them until the seed would come. Uh, and, and when Christ came, faith came. And then you're no longer under the tutor. You're no longer under the law. Uh, and so he was saying some of that. Even even when we, uh, something that you already mentioned that uh, came up last week before the, the end of the program is in, in 1 Timothy. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said that, hey, there's some of those out there. They've strayed from uh, the faith and they're turning aside to meaningless conversation, idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law when they have no clue what they're talking about. They don't even know what they're saying because they really don't know the law. Mm-hmm. Um, but the law is good if one uses it lawfully, Paul said, knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous people in Christ, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners. And so sometimes even we grace people will we'll, we'll take this and say, see, the law still has a place. Well, listen, um, if we're going to take the law and go try to make people guilty with it so that they'll come to Christ, that, that's not New Covenant Christianity. Um, it, it just isn't. That That's not how we do it. That, that's going backwards, doing it inside out. We can do it differently now after the cross. And I think Joel made a great point last week that we we had discussed off the air, and that is, if you're going to use the law, do it like the writer of Hebrews did. That That's a great way, a great example or illustration of how you use the law. Now, he was writing primarily to Jewish people, but he was pointing out that the law came to an end when Christ became high priest. He was pointing out that the law and that first covenant in general is obsolete, it no longer has a place. It was a weak and useless ministry that brought death and condemnation. And the point being made here a few minutes ago is that that wall of commandments was keeping Gentiles and Jews from coming to Christ. So we don't want to use the law that was keeping people from Christ. We don't want to <laughs> use the law that brings death and condemnation. We don't want to use the law that brings uh, guilt or and increases sin. Uh, we, we don't want to do that, uh, but that's that's somehow how people get the idea that we can still use the law. Well, okay, so First Timothy, uh, we can still use the law if one uses it lawfully. What did Paul mean by that? I, I think we've misunderstood what he meant by that. What about bacon eaters? <laughs> what about <laughs> right. people who wear different kinds of linen that the law prohibited? You see, because even we, uh, we know the religious crowd does it, but even we grace people sometimes like to shrink the law down to something when it's much more than than what it appears. So a lot of people, they just think of the Ten Commandments and the moral laws uh, that were contained within a much bigger law. Um, So my point here is, if you're going to, um, if not one dot or one jot or one tittle or one iota of the law has passed away. If it's not obsolete, if it's not abolished, then the entire thing isn't. And and what does that mean exactly? <laughs> right. The whole thing would have to what, still stand. 
yeah, wh- wh- where do we stand with that if it's not abolished? You know, if, if uh, Congress uh, disables a law or city council here nearby me, they, they get rid of a law that was in place, um, but it's not abolished, what does that mean? It's no longer in effect, but it's not about. I, I don't know what that means. Right. Somebody no. tell me if if the law is not abolished. Tell me what that means. Hmm. That's that's a, that's a really good question, and as I, I hope that you know people think about that. And I think that you know um, there's several places I want to go. So I'm just trying to thinking out loud where I want to go with this. But maybe just tagging along from what you were saying there, Romans Romans seven. Now now this is. Um, uh, one where I used to, I would see and another part of what we're talking about here. I used to think the other way, so I know where people are coming from. You know sure. that the law was still is still in effect. We're just dead to the law, but and and truthfully, as Gentiles, we never had the law, so we never actually died. We didn't actually die to the law. It was the people of Israel who had the law who died to it. But in a general, we're speaking in a general sense here, just without trying to get into all those weeds. They're not really weeds, but just. It would take a lot to explain all of that, but just the general idea, I think many of our listeners understand that as Gentiles, we never even had the law. The law never had anything to do with us. So when Paul is talking about the law, he's talking about, well, in Romans 7, he even says, or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. He's talking to those who, to the Jewish people, his Jewish brethren. That's what he means by brethren there. Not his Christian brethren, but his Jewish brethren, uh, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Now, I see that this could be interpreted in many different ways, but for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, so the law here is the husband, and the woman, the person who's bound by the law is Israel or the wife, but if the husband dies, if the law dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. So if she marries another man while under the law, she would be called an adulteress. So if she would be, try to be joined to Christ while under the law, she would be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Okay, so a lot of times we won't pay much attention to that, but we'll say, Paul goes on to say, Therefore, brethren, you have also become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. And that's true. His fellow, his brethren, who were under the law, who knew the law, they have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. But I think Paul is also saying here that the law has died, both. The law has died and they've become dead to the law. And again, I go back to Ephesians 2, where it says that the law has been abolished. And then this takes me to Colossians 2. I keep saying we're going to get to this, and finally here I am where Paul says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. So the same thing with Romans 7, where they had to die to something, uh, they were dead in something, and they, well, they had to be made alive together with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. So the law was against us, was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, again, not my words, but Paul's words, having nailed it to the cross. 
The cross was an instrument of death. This handwriting of requirements that was against us was nailed to the cross. Again, if you're saying the law still stands for some reason, how do you get past that? It's been nailed to the cross. It's been taken out of the way. It's been wiped out. Again, those were Paul's words. And then back to Ephesians 2. It's been abolished in his flesh so that, and I think you made a great point there, the reason why Gentiles were able to come to Christ and Jews together with Gentiles was because the law was taken out of the way, because it was abolished in his flesh. It was the enmity that stood between us, and it was taken out of the way so that God could create in himself one new man from from both Jews and Gentiles. So I think there's just a lot of evidence. Uh, I don't want to get really... um, adamant about all this. I mean, I mean, you know, like argumentative about it. I, this is just what I see. I think is what you see too, Cap, that this is a, a case being made that the law is no longer in place. Some verses may seem to make it look like that, but I think we've done a good job of explaining that and plenty more to get to, but there's a couple minutes left, Cap. Uh, Luke, 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 Luke 24. Let's look at Luke. Uh, Jesus had risen from the dead. Uh, and he meets up with the, uh, the the disciples, has a piece of fish. Got something to eat here? <laughs> Give the guy a piece of fish. These are the <laughs> words, Jesus says this to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Um, so Jesus did fulfill the law. And here's a biggie that I don't even, I don't even want to get into this one, but <laughs> he also fulfilled the prophets. That, that blows a, a whole lot of religious doctrines out there. Mm-hmm. And the Psalms. Mm-hmm. It, Jesus fulfilled them. He fulfilled them. And that's an important thing. Well, but didn't Jesus say, well, you know, we're going back to Matthew 5 again, where Jesus said, "Uh, you know, I'm not going to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. That's what he did. The result of that was an abolishment of the law. As Joel said, that's just the way we see it. You can see it differently. We don't want to split hairs here. But I I think the question, again, that I would ask is, if, if the law is not completely obsolete and abolished, then what does that really mean? And keep in mind too, and and you kind of alluded to this, but um, in, in Romans, and this is one that Joel quotes a lot, but what the law says, it says to those who are under the law. That was the Jewish people at that time before the cross. The law doesn't say anything to anyone right now. It's a new covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I got another thought on uh, the word being fulfilled. So we'll talk about that next week because we're uh, out of time for this one. But I, you know, I really do hope that this is food for thought for people. Again, we're not trying to be argumentative; just sharing what we what we see here. And uh, you're free to think about it, chew on it, disagree, agree, whatever. And we'll be talking more about this next week right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.